Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. I'm Gary. Matt. Somebody. An identity <laughs> crisis already starting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Gary sounds familiar. You may know him as Gary Blauman, the ever-present figure on reddit who is always providing us with amazing christmas questions to answer on our show yeah dun, dun, dun. we all owe matt <laughs> a huge bit of gratitude because we as hosts had failed you all and let the christmas questions unceremoniously die and gary single-handedly brought them back and so we felt we needed to get some good time to chat with gary and learn about uh, who gary is and, and meet him face to face so if you're on Reddit this week, be sure to say thank you to Gary Blauman slash Matt. Before we get into who Matt is, because I think all our listeners want to know, we want to know, I just want to point something out, Tom. You brought up how we failed our listeners. Do you want to bring up how you failed our listeners in another way this past week? Well, you know, um, my tracks did not merge during an export, and so people got to hear who Anthony really is as a person. <laughs> angry, vile, sailor-mouthed individual. You'll notice that none of the expletives that were um, mistakenly allowed to pass QA came out of the mouths of two-thirds of our elves. Um, so I am actually, I have it on my list of things to talk about and I was going to do it later, but I think we can do about it now. I think we need to make a better effort, um, just for safety precautions to not use vulgarity and remember that we are a family oriented program. You know what, Tom? So maybe you can shut your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> no, I am sorry. If any of you had children, I apologize. Um, there was a, a technical error in, in the editing process. Probably because, as per usual, we record on Tuesdays and I wait until Sunday night to edit. <laughs> I mean, we can't all be like me who gets editing done by like 7 a.m. the next morning. I don't know what we'll, we'll record. Can't. We'll record and five minutes later, Anthony's like, the recording's up and ready to go. I got all the social media posted. I'm like, so we get... I don't, even, I don't even think the cloud. I don't even think the cloud recording finished processing for you to download, and it's already ready to go. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Some of us take this show seriously, Tom. Some of us want to fulfill our duties to our listeners. Some of uh, us have been going through a very difficult year, Anthony. <laughs> I would just like to say, though, in my defense, normally, and Julia can back me up here since I know Tom won't. Normally, I'm actually very good at keeping the f words to myself, even during you are. Unless yeah. it's quoting something. Uh, 
Right. I think I think by the time or unless you're getting extra flustered dealing with April for <laughs> well, I was about to say I think by the time they <laughs> slipped out in that episode quickly one after one the other, I was just so discombobulated and confused and <laughs> flustered <laughs> by what had just transpired on the show that uh, they just slipped out. But we're we taking have... our we'll, we're we're taking our internal poll after the episode to see if we're going to welcome her back or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we have feedback on that, which we'll get to later when we read comments, because a Disco lot 54, of feedback. <laughs> Disco fifty four, I think, had the, had the best summation of what happened that episode. <laughs> oh. um, All right, but, so I've got a question. Yes, let's talk Matt. Quick, to transition. How did Matt become Gary Blauman? That's of all okay. So, Gary Blauman is a character in the TV show How I Met Your Mother. And it all started because it was around the time that How I Met Your Mother was ending. I was a big fan of the show. And I was always looking for, like, the theories. There was all these theories at the time of who's the mother, blah, blah, blah. So, I had searched. I found Reddit. Really didn't know much about it. And I was getting on the, the How I Met Your Mother subreddit. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to make up a name from the show. And I just picked Gary Blauman and it stuck. I never thought to change it. I guess in my mind at the time, I thought, oh, if I'm talking How I Met Your Mother, I have to have some sort of relevant name. <laughs> like really not understanding the full grasp of Reddit uh, how many years ago, six, five, six, seven years ago. So that's where it's all become. And then I just never got around to making my own name or changing it up. So it's nothing too fancy, but it's just character from How I Met Your Mother. That's what's bad about about Reddit, right? You invest in a name, not realizing, um, you know, I, I went years ago to standardizing everything. I'm Tom Crow at everything. Mm-hmm. And I did that for Reddit. Not realizing how much that actually limits my Reddit activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Your name, though, is good for, you know, nobody will ever question it's not your real name if they don't really know the show so you kind of created a nice shield for yourself it's true it's true i I don't know how many of you um have ever seen on youtube a guy named or or a channel called binging with babish or if you've ever heard of it it's a guy who he he takes food from movies and tv and recreates them and for the longest time i literally thought the guy's name was babish but that was a character from the tv show the west wing and it's just his whole persona has become his, his whole persona has become this babish guy, even though his real name is Andrew, but he just kind of soaked it in. Now, clearly the Gary Blauman has not hit that level yet, but sky, the sky's the limit with Tiz the podcast, so you never know, right? I have faith, so I do, I have faith have to, in you. I do have to ask you, you said so you were a huge high met your mother fan. Are you do you think that show holds up? Because me and my wife were very huge fans of that show when it was on. My wife more than me, so I'm surprised when I told her Gary Blauman's going to be on the show tonight. She didn't like recognize the name, mm. <laughs> but um, we caught some episodes and reruns recently, and it seems very dated to me compared to it does. Classics. It, it really does, and especially like the Barney sort of swarmy player kind of guy. It just it doesn't hold up like it did even a decade ago. So mm. that makes it hard. I've tried to rewatch, and it's kind of the same. I kind of feel like creepy and ted's creepy in in certain aspects of the show too i mean other than uh lily and marshall in that show i kind of feel like everything else is just kind of dated and it's hard i i I can't rewatch it because it's just so dated i do like the mother though she holds up 
Mm-hmm. She she was the person that when they first showed her, I was like, uh, I don't know. And then they, despite how sub part of the last season was, I thought they did a really good job with her. Yep, absolutely. I didn't make it to the last season. I lost some interest earlier on. Um, I I got kind of over the the suit up. Let's you know go mm-hmm. creep on women. Let's the 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 quasi stalker Ted got a little, little much for me. Well, what's uh, interesting so I stopped about, watching, but I did try some recently, and man. Saying what's interesting about the suit-up thing and Ted being a creeper and Barney being a sleazeball and everything is the years this show was on, that's when culture started to shift in general. So it's almost even outdated for the time. Whereas you see all these think pieces now about how Friends and Seinfeld and even The Office are so un-PC and there are so many problems with those shows, but... That was the time. That was more accepted. Joey was more accepted at the time. The way they acted on Seinfeld was more accepted. Michael Scott. Or Michael Scott was intentional. They knew what he yeah. was doing, though. It wasn't meant to be acceptable. Michael Scott right. was not meant to be acceptable. But, but How I Met Your Mother, when that was airing, especially towards the end, like I feel like culture had already shifted, so it's outdated for the time, even. It was airing. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It, especially like the first few seasons, because it was still like, what mid 2000s i mean i don't even remember when that show came out but it did seem a little more acceptable but yeah after a couple of seasons it was already behind the eight ball well in my opinion it was yeah because it came out in 2005 <laughs> julie and i were already married not to each other <laughs> that sounded weird no no <laughs> Plot julie, twist. <laughs> julie was already married to marty and i was already married to christine that's right <laughs> And I was thank, preparing thank for, for that catch. We have some weird questions. <laughs> and I was preparing for SATs and going off to college and things like that. And I was in college. So. I was in college. <laughs> yeah, I was still in college. Julie and I were in college. Love uh, finds a way. Is that going to be a bingo, bingo card? I item? I love it. I, I, I don't know when be. we used it the first time, but it just feels so appropriate so often now. Although <laughs> last week's was definitely not appropriate as I was listening to the editing. <laughs> Yeah, so as, as you can see, Matt, the trolling is real. We don't, we don't make this up for the show. I, I, you know, I didn't think it was an act, but it's good to know in person that it uh, it plays out exactly how I, pretty much how I hoped it would play out. <laughs> I do feel like we've become kind of characters, though, when we're together, right? Yeah, I think so. So vacation was awesome. We went to Enid, well, it was Jet, Oklahoma, technically, which is a teeny tiny little town. And it is the location of the Great Salt Plains in Oklahoma. It's like Western Oklahoma. And it's the only place in the world you can find these particular selenite crystals that have the hourglass. The crystals form around those silt deposits. And this place was like cool. So it's the site of a prehistoric ocean. And we ocean dried up, it left all of its salt. And so you walk out, it's like pure white. I don't know if anybody's friends with me on social media. Um, I know two of y'all are. Matt, you're totally welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it looks like the surface of the moon and they have it sectioned off to where you can dig in certain areas. Each season they move the section. And so you, you dig a hole that's just not even two feet deep and you fill it with water and you splash the water up on the walls of the hole and the crystals just like pop out because the silt washes away and the crystals are just like hanging there. And Hannah found some like gigantic ones. 
Whoa. Those are so huge cool. those crystals. Yeah. And apparently the earlier in the season you go, you find complex crystals instead. And they look like little cities. Um, and it's just collections of the larger ones. If you go later in the season, because it's only open like April to October, you just find the slivers because they've broken off from the larger complexes. And you can just take whatever cool. you find. You don't yeah, have, like, and whatever you awesome. find, you can take home. And it's free to dig. You just drive up on it and you dig all you want. It was neat. It was super, super cool. So the trip was awesome. We left the baby at home. So it was just the three older kids. And that was like extra awesome too, because it's fun to be around them. They're neat humans. So it was super cool. It was a good trip. We all got burned to a flipping crisp because <laughs> the wind blows across those plains like it's a consistent 20 miles an hour. We probably had 40, uh, 40 mile an hour gusts while we were out there. And so you didn't get hot. It was oh, Oklahoma where the wind comes sweeping down Boy. the plains. <laughs> and it picks that salt up and it like sandblasts your legs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. So you were exfoliated. So yes, and burned. So it was, you know, really a good combination there. It was oh. fun though. I would suggest it to anybody. I think it's something we're going to, we may end up doing this summer. It's Yeah, it's so cool. Because it's easy to social distance and it's something cool to go do, right? It's totally easy to social distance there. Yeah. There were other people digging, but we were far away from them. It's almost as easy to social distance there as at a Trump rally, huh? I know. <laughs> so the night we're recording this, it's actually 31 years to the day that Michael Keaton debuted as Batman in movie theaters for the first time. Which is all the more relevant because he blew up social media yesterday by the news leaking that not leaking, being released, that he's in talks to return to the big screen as Batman in the DC universe. It's freaking awesome. Batman, geriatric edition. <laughs> yeah, how old, how old is Michael Keaton? He's got to be, what, mid-60s? Wow. But when I saw that news break, I freaked out because he's still my Batman. He's my favorite Batman. And it, and it makes me excited because if he's coming back, his Batmobile and his costume. You get 83-year-old Jack Nicholson back. We can get 75-year-old Danny uh, DeVito back. Uh, Danny DeVito won't even need makeup. He'll just look like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are forgetting Joker and the Penguin died, so they wouldn't come back anyway. <laughs> they well, could, oh, come back all the time has in that, the comics. Has books? that ever stopped them from bringing back a dead villain before in the past or even a dead superhero <laughs> i mean i mean the movie said they're gonna ignore pretend batman forever and batman and robin didn't happen so i guess it's you know it's fair they could ignore that those deaths didn't happen i'm standing by what i said are they're bat nipples or it's not a real bat suit sorry y'all <laughs> you george clooney that was actually a good sec speaking of george clooney tonight we're covering the 2015 Netflix original Christmas special, A Very Murray Christmas. Special is very liberal use of the uh, of a title for that, or a lead into that, Anthony. So quick plot synopsis coming from IMDb, short, sweet, and to the point. Bill Murray worries no one will show up to his Christmas Eve live TV show due to a terrible snowstorm in New York City. Tom oh, that is short and sweet. But accurate. Yeah, no, it's accurate. I thought, yeah, that was short. Tom, do you have a sarcastic synopsis to give us? Yes. Oh, please have one. Yes. We're transported into a world where Bill Murray is supposed to be giving a, hosting a, a Christmas spectacular 
for whatever reason, half of the characters who half of the actors and actresses who come in are themselves, and half of them are other people making a very, very confusing set, uh, <laughs> a, a continuation of a storyline. Random people fill in. You think there's a special happening. Bill Murray is is as inept of a host as you would imagine him being in every way, except for when he falls asleep in in his dream. So, I want to do a history of this special before we do. Run I want to go first. Go for it. I have started this ep- this special four times before this, and never have I come close to finishing it. When I was watching it, I had zero regrets about that fact despite the fact there are so many actors and actresses in this film that I love. I don't think I've ever watched anything where I've been as disappointed with Jason Schwartzman, uh, Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler, uh, uh, you know. Miley Cyrus. No, no, that's, that's, (laughs) I've definitely been more disappointed by Miley Cyrus. Multiple, multiple times. Yeah, but no, I, yeah. I'm gonna piggyback off you, Tom. And I'm going to say, when I first heard that this special was being made by Netflix, I was really excited, based on the cast, and based on the premise that it was supposed to be one of these old-school, Christmassy variety hours that they used to do back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And, you know, it's Bill Murray and has, you know, George Clooney, like George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler, all these amazing people. And when I first watched it, I was like... I watched it all the way through, and I was like, man, this is just depressing. <laughs> it, it's just an excuse to get all these celebrities to get together to sing, but it's just like a depressing story, and none of the celebrities look like they want to be there. So this is only the second time I've ever watched it. And I'll say, going into it this time, I knew more to expect, so I think that helped me a little bit, but it's still like such a melancholy special, and the celebrities still don't look like they want to be there. Even, except for Bill Murray, who like Bill Murray is Bill Murray in this, right? Like this is what you would expect. It's a Bill Murray special. I can say like he is true to himself in this. But everyone else, it's like I know Chris Rock was supposed to be the only hostage in the special, but man, everyone looked like they were being held hostage in the special. And I mean, I don't know. We'll get into it more when we get into the film, but yeah. I'll go ahead. I'm kind of in the same. I'm kind of like a mix between the two of you. I'm like Tom, where I tried watching it and I couldn't do it. But like you, Anthony, when it was first announced, I was excited about that. I thought Bill Murray. You look at this cast, and, and like you said, it kind of had. It was supposed to be like one of those old timey kind of TV special variety hour type things. So that got me excited. And I remember it came out, I maybe watched 20 minutes the first time it came out, and I just couldn't do it. and didn't want anything else to do with it. And then two Christmases ago, I was with my girlfriend and her family, and her her, her dad's a big Bill Murray fan, her brother's a big Bill Murray fan. So we're like, ah, oh, we'll watch it. We watched it, and I was just kind of like, cool, okay. Like, it, there was nothing about it that blew me away. Nothing about it that really made me have, like, those Christmas feels. And like you said, it's very Bill Murray, 100% Bill Murray, which leads me into a quick Bill Murray story. My, my girlfriend's dad, uh, he was a teacher and a, and a coach, but in the summers, he used to work at a golf course bartending. Bill Murray comes in and he sees Bill Murray and he says to him, hey, I just want to let you know, my, my son absolutely loves your movies. And he, he looked at my girlfriend's dad and said, yeah, well, tell your son he needs to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> my God. <laughs> and, and that was that. So, yes, I, I think this is very Bill Murray. But as a whole, I was 
kind of bummed out by it. I mean, you speak about very Bill Murray. I mean, that's summed up in the opening, right? Where people knock on the door and he's like, oh man, tell them I'm not here. I don't want to do anything. Like, that's supposedly what he's like in real life. He's very hard to mm -hmm. work with. But Julia, what's your history? So I guess I'd, I'd heard of I'd heard of it. I didn't realize it was Netflix until today when I watched it for the first time. And I, uh, yeah, I pretty much in the same in the same group as y'all. I got some Christmas feels out of it just because of the songs. Um, I probably enjoyed it more for having the songs rolling in the background than I did for the story or lack thereof. The beginning wow. is super duper slow <laughs> and I don't know that it picks up, but they just throw more people in your face. So it feels like it picks up a little bit, but I mean, it's a heck of a cast. It really to, is. Tom's, to Tom's point, though, he brought it up, and I wanted to talk about this when we got into the episode. Super confusing that half of them are playing themselves, and half of them you realize yes. weren't playing yes. themselves. Hard to keep track of during certain scenes. Yes. Well, that was the, the first time Amy Poehler pops up. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, you're, you're going to have this like Amy Poehler, Bill Murray banter, and then she's like playing his assistant. Sort of, and it's just like, what is going on? And then Michael Sarah, like, ah, it. I was so confused when I was watching it. I was like, wait, Amy Poehler's not Amy Poehler. And then I'm like, okay, what are we going to do with Michael Sarah? And then we're supposed to take Michael Sarah seriously as a as an agent, like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. And then we see Chris Rock, and Chris Rock is Chris Rock, like, yeah, George Clooney is George Clooney, but Maya Rudolph is somebody completely different and yeah, like pick Rashida a, pick Jones is somebody yeah. right. So, so this movie does have quite the cast, so. I'm just going to list off some of the people in it and we can talk about their favorite. I mean, a lot of these people, some of these people we've covered before, like Bill Murray. Uh, you know, we talked about him, haven't we? We have. So we, don't need to, we don't need to talk about him again, but I do want to know what Matt's favorite Bill Murray film is. Groundhog Day. Yay. Love it. What, are, what is Matt's favorite Bill Murray movie? Groundhog Day. <laughs> what is Matt's favorite oh, Bill it. Murray movie? <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> Sarah just saw Groundhog Day for the first time like, <gasps> a few weeks ago. She was up late. She, she was looking for like something it? to watch on Netflix. I was going to bed. I was like, watch Groundhog Day. And she really liked it. So, <gasps> Yay. So, so much good. heart. I love it. Michael Sarah plays Jackie, the talent agent. He does not play himself. Uh, I don't think we've covered Michael Sarah on the show before. He was in Arrested Development as George Michael Bluth, who was in love with his cousin, maybe. He was in Superbad, Juno, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He played a fictional version of himself in This is the End. He did the voice of Dick Grayson slash Robin in the Lego Batman movie. What are, I'm not the biggest Michael Cera fan, but I loved him in Arrested Development. So I don't know of a Michael Cera difference from film to film. <laughs> I think that's accurate. So I can't pick a favorite one, you know? They're all up there. But I do, not only do I love uh, Michael Sarah in Arrested Development, the whole arc of him being in love with his cousin or aunt <laughs> is <laughs> absolutely amazing. So we go, from, we go from pedophilia one week to incest as topic points of, that we're discussing. I think we may need to reevaluate ourselves as a podcast, y'all. Tom, do you remember the one Christmas episode where it's a Christmas party? And he's trying to get his dad's attention, so he karaoke's with his aunt, and they end up singing Afternoon, Afternoon Delight, not realizing what the song was about. And then oh so God. do maybe and Michael starts doing the same thing. So freaking funny. What about 
you guys, Julia. Julia, I bet you're not a huge fan of him, are you? I don't like Michael Sarah, but I love Juno. It's one of my favorite movies. So I can tolerate him in it because he's surrounded by better people. You, and Matt? his character's sweet in Juno, but yeah. Yeah, he is. Not a fan. He is. But again, Michael Sarah. Right. Yeah. Still Michael Sarah. He he plays the same guy. I, I like super bad. I mean, it's raunchy, it's silly, it's dumb. But it makes it's me hilarious. Laugh. Okay, so playing himself, I'm just reading down the list. It's not necessarily order of appearance. George Clooney plays himself in a dream sequence that Bill Murray has. Where to start with George Clooney? <laughs> he was in ER, From Dusk Till Dawn, Out of Sight, Three Kings, Ocean's Eleven, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Good Night and Good Luck, Leatherheads, Monuments Men, The Ides of March, Syriana, uh, Michael Clayton, Up in the Air, The Descendants. That's his highlight reel on Wikipedia. So, but he's been- You left the off movie. the Nespresso ads. <laughs> I, Tom, is that your favorite? In espresso? No, Nespresso is not real espresso. Uh, uh, I think I may have to, He was Batman with nipples. I have a hard time. He's done a lot of really good stuff. I mean, he's a, he's just a good actor, but nothing that I usually love. Like I don't really watch his movies more than once, even though I when I see him, he's a powerful actor. So I'm probably going to have to go back to my earliest exposure to him that I can really think of uh, and go with From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, Lord. I thought you were going to say ER. No. I thought he was, too. Oh, my gosh. Face tattoo, George Clooney is your favorite. Um, I just liked his how different. That's a very different role for him from anything else I've ever seen. I'm going yeah. to go with. And it was neck tattoo, by the way. Just saying. Oh, that's right. It didn't go up onto his face, did it? I'm going to go with The Facts of Life. The non Mrs. Garrett year. <laughs> oh, that's true. And Roseanne. Don't forget he was in Roseanne. Uh, in all seriousness, no, I loved him voicing Mr. Fox in The Fantastic Mr. Fox. So. Did you not like Dusk Till Dawn, Julia, at all? It's a lot more boobies and snakes than I typically take in my movies. Uh, yeah. I haven't I, seen I, it in a long time. I haven't seen it in a long time either. I just remember it being silly, silly. It was just, just silly. that was my early exposure, I think, to, to both. That was some some fairly early exposure for me to uh, uh, Tarantino, Tarantino and to uh, Robert Rodriguez. So yeah, it's got a yeah. special place in my heart. Um, my favorite George Clooney is One Fine Day with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, that that's a sweet movie. movie. A He's so movie. cute in it. What's yep. your favorite, Matt? I really like the movie Up in the Air. It's uh, he he's a guy who travels around and he fires people. And like he just lives out of a suitcase. It's just it's it's really good like you know type of piece. Like those are the type of movies I like. It's not flashy. It's not like super over the top. It's just I, I just thought he was a really good actor in that. Also really that liked some, ER too. He was he was very. That good was some early him. Anna Kendrick too. That was early Anna Kendrick. Yep. Anna Kendrick's another one. I've said this before when we covered Anna Kendrick. She's Anna Kendrick in everything. I still like her. Hmm. I, I'm not saying I don't like her. I'm just saying she is Anna Kendrick in everything. She is. Um, You're Anna Kendrick and everything. I wish I was Anna Kendrick and everything. <laughs> Your mom's Anna Kendrick and everything. <laughs> uh, she has a new show on HBO Max, by the way, an original series called Love Something. It's pretty good, though. It's a comedy. I haven't seen it yet because I don't have HBO Max, but I'm assuming that. Uh, I thought you had Love, HBO uh, now. automatically upgraded. I, I didn't. It had canceled, apparently. But yeah, I'm sure I'll see it at because... some point because Love uh, Finds a Way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it in. so miley cyrus plays herself 
she's more of a singer than an actress, but she was best known for Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. But she was also in some, you know, what's that stupid romance author who turns out 50 books per year. They make everyone. Nicholas Sparks. Nicholas Sparks. She was in some of his movies. Are you all, are y'all Miley Cyrus fans? So from a music perspective, her cover of Jolene to tie it back into last week's episode. Amazing. It is. Amazing. It's very good. She's a very, very talented musician. It's just, you know, people don't like her for a variety of reasons, but. I don't love her music. And I'm going to, I think I said this before. I don't love her music, but I do definitely appreciate her talent. It's just, Mm -hmm. she sings a lot of stuff that's not really up my alley. Yeah. Same here. I'm not going to go as far as Stephen Baldwin and get a Hannah Montana tattoo. (laughs) What's a Hannah Montana tattoo? Stephen Baldwin got a Hannah Montana tattoo. He was he was told by Miley Cyrus if he got a tattoo, he could make a guest appearance on the show. So on his shoulder, he got an HM tattoo. And then the show ended. And he never got to go. <laughs> oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, he's never been the sharpest of the Baldwins. I'm just going to say that. No, he's not. He lives around here. But yeah, I forgot we covered her on the show. She was in, what's the movie called? Twas the Night. With uh-huh. Jessica Lovett and Seth Rogen and Anthony Mackie. She sung Wrecking Ball on stage when Jessica Lovett was going to oh. to Lizzie Kaplan. And uh, uh, we talked about her last week as well because Dolly Parton is her godmother. Yes. And she had a weird, creepy relationship with Wayne Coyne. Oh, yeah. So, Very creepy relationship with, with Wayne Coyne. David Johansson plays the bartender. He's another one who doesn't play himself. Uh, he's best known for being a member of New York Dolls. He's also known for his work under the pseudonym Buster Pointexter. Are we David Johansson fans? I mean, I liked him in Scrooge. That's he's my favorite only, ghost in Scrooge. That's about the only time I've given him enough thought to really think about him. I just, I, he's just... He's there. He's there. He's there. Yeah. Jenny Lewis does not play herself. She plays the waitress. I know Julia knows her from True Beverly Hills. She was uh, yeah, I do. I got she super is... excited when I saw who it was. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she has been her. Christine's favorite musician the entire time I've known Christine. Are yep, you serious? She's, a, she's yep. the lead singer of Rilo Kelly. Uh, she is a very, she's an awesome uh, singer. And she was dating Bill Murray at the time that this was. Really? They dated for a long time. That's, that's an age difference. Yep. What's your favorite Jenny Lewis? Do you remember the Hills, Julia? Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course it is. That or, you know, I loved that movie, The Wizard, when I was growing up. Did y'all ever see that one? I loved The Wizard. I sure did. Yes, loved that movie. And then she was in another movie in the 90s. She was in a lot of stuff, actually. She had started. She really was. Young. The one I remember is Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. Big Girls Don't Cry. That one? Mm-hmm. So that one started my lifelong crush on Dan Fetterman. He's super duper cute. I like her music. I like her music. In in terms of her being an actress, I don't know much of her work. But musically, she's very, very talented. You should definitely watch Troop Beverly Hills. It'll change your life. I will put it on the list. It's an amazing movie. It is an amazing movie. I love that movie. (laughs) It is just everything. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. 
so 80s. So we've talked about why I'm no longer a Zoe Deschanel fan because she ripped the heart out of Ben Gibbard and threw it on the ground and stomped on it for whatever reason. She thought it was appropriate. <laughs> but when Ben Gibbard did his side project back in the day, he did uh, the Postal Service and the Jenny Lewis sang um, all the music, all the female parts. And the way they would do it is literally they would record across the country and mail stuff back and forth. Really? Uh, they were oh, not. It's called the Postal Service. Uh huh. And uh, the Postal Service has uh, it's one of the, I still think it's one of the greatest albums out there. Um, the song, a song from the Postal Service uh, is My Wife's and My Song. Well, it's not yes. such great heights, is it? Of, it yeah, is, of gonna, course. I was going to say that. was going to be my guess. We were married, in, we were married in, uh, in early 2004, so Postal Service came out in 2003. Great song. So also in the special, Not Playing Themselves, are two people we've also covered on the show, so we can just mention them. Rashida Jones plays The Bride, and Amy Poehler plays Liz. Neither of them are playing themselves. Then we have Chris Rock playing himself. Um, <clears throat> but he's, he was a prominent cast member on SNL in the early 90s. He had starring roles in Down to Earth, Head of State, The Longest Yard, the Madagascar film series, Grown Ups, and its sequel, Top Five. He has multiple stand-up specials. And he it's a Weapon developed, 4. Developed, wrote, and narrated the sitcom Everybody Hates Chris. Uh, he was also big on uh, the Chris Rock show, The Hewleys, and I think we, we can't underestimate his role in Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> uh, nor can we estimate that whole episode of The Office oh, or around one of his more famous stand-up routines. Yeah, Diversity <laughs> Day. Diversity <laughs> Day, y'all. That was, wow. What's your favorite Chris Rock, y'all? You know, I, I'd probably get criticized for this, but I like the Grown Ups movies. I do, too. I do, too. It's one of the I think movies. They're, they're so... They're so just dumb but they're funny they're just like an easy watch turn your brain off for an hour and a half and move mm -hmm. on but yeah i think those are good his stand-up's very good from from the early days but yeah grown-ups it's got that special spot in my heart i think my favorite part is when he's walking off of the scene or a, there's a cutaway from chris rock to something else oh <laughs> really i do not like chris rock do not like chris rock i find him so obnoxious <laughs> Julia, is yours grown-ups as well? Yeah, probably so. I mean, I really liked Everybody Hates Chris, but I mean, he wasn't on it. He was a narrator, though. Um, he was a narrator. He was. He was. Um, I've always thought his stand-up was hilarious. He has a good role in Osmosis Jones, and my kids yeah. love that movie. <laughs> I loved that movie love back that in the day. Ivan Bill Murray is also <laughs> in that movie. Um, yep. If I had to, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Rock as an actor. I love his stand-up. <laughs> And I will say, and I'll get to this later on, he was probably one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Um, have we talked about Maya Rudolph in the show yet? I know we've talked about her, but has she been in anything? But she was in the live action um, movie I don't like, Christmas Story. Christmas Story. The live action that was Christmas it. Story. Right. So we don't have to cover her, but Maya Rudolph is in this. She plays the lounge singer. <clears throat> she's worth covering in everything she's in. I love Maya Rudolph. I'm a big fan. I loved her in The Good Place. She played, I loved her in The Good Place. Yeah, she played the judge. I loved her. She was perfect for that. But yeah, she's great. I love her in pretty much everything I've ever seen her in. Did you watch all of The Good Place? Yes. Yeah. Oh, the finale was perfect, wasn't it? I loved it. I loved it. And I love that they didn't drag the show on either. 
No, you know, like that every season wrapped up its arc, like they didn't drag yep. on. Yep, I loved it. Perfect. It's such a good show. She's in a Halloween movie coming up. She is. What movie? It's called Hubby Halloween. It's got a pretty cool um, cast. It's got Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi, uh, Kevin James, Peyton List, Ray Liotta, Rob Schneider, Maya Rudolph, like we said. Play Elliot is Jason Schwartzman, who we have covered this year on the show. We did. Uh, So Matt, what's your favorite Jason Schwartzman? Well, I did. I enjoyed Klaus, but that's a discussion for another day. Yes. Uh, I liked the show on HBO called Bored to Death. It was Jason Schwartzman, Zach Galifianakis, and Ted Danson. That was uh, it was about like a, strug- a struggling writer, and there was a private detective. Like honestly, I don't remember enough about the show. I just remember I really enjoyed it. I- Jason Schwartzman to me kind of plays the same dude all the time, but he plays it well. So, but I liked that show. It was good. Playing himself is Paul Schaefer, who was a musical director, band leader, and sidekick on The Late Night with David Letterman and The Late Show with David Letterman. Playing Bev is Julie White. She may be best known for her role as Nadine Svoboda in the television series Race Under Fire and her role as Judy Whittakey in the Transformers film series. I wonder if Grace Under Fire held up. I liked that show as a kid. She also had a recurring role on uh, SVU. I had to look her up. She was on Six Feet Under, which was a big, I was a big fan of that show. Don't really remember her, but I'll say that. I like her in everything she's in. She's just kind of one of those actresses where I'm like, yeah, I always like you. Our last actor in this film is Phoenix as the Chefs. And uh, they're an indie pop band from France, consisting of Thomas Mars, Deck Darcy, Christian Bazali, and Laurent Brinkowitz. Bronkowitz. Are you guys fans of Phoenix? I like Phoenix. I hadn't heard them before this special, and I liked the song they sang. So it made me look them up on Apple, you know, Apple Music. So that's a win, right? I've been a fan of Phoenix since uh, their second album. You, you like, you've got that t-shirt in your closet that says, I like the emo bands before nobody, before anybody knew about it. <laughs> They've got some coffee mug that says like, I liked that band before they existed or something like that. And I no, picture I would, you with that. I would never have that shirt because other people would have that shirt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were good. But then when the, their Wolfgang Amadeus album came out, uh, late 90s, that was a that was a, that was revolutionary for them. It was it's an amazing album. That's our insanely talented oh cast God. for this very miss special. And uh, you know why don't we just run through? So it's Christmas Eve in New York. Uh, Bill Murray's waiting in the su- his suite at the famous Carlisle Hotel, and there's a huge snowstorm. Bill Murray has this really forced line about how the tunnels are closed, the airports are closed, taxis aren't running, and uh, none of his guest stars for his Christmas Eve special can get to the hotel. So Bill Murray is depressed, aka regular mode for Bill Murray. (laughs) And he doesn't want to go out and perform his live special, but his producers, Amy Poehler and Julie White, basically say, you're on the hook financially. So Bill Murray goes out with minimal crew where they're going to splice in footage from last year's Golden Globes to make it look like he has an audience, which that made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> and not just that, they randomly have 
a scene from uh, An- of Angelina Jolie in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Murray goes out to perform. In the middle of singing a song, he just starts weeping and walks off stage. Well, more like runs off stage to flee the hotel, which is when he runs into Chris Rock, whom he essentially kidnaps. So he has, so he has somebody to sing with, to perform with. And this is probably my favorite scene, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, just because of how awkward Chris Rock looks. <laughs> this is when he forces Chris Rock on the stage front of the cameras to sing, Do You Hear What I Hear? <laughs> and it's hilarious because Chris Rock is just so awkward. He looks terrified. <laughs> and Bill Murray is, you know, Bill Murray while they're singing. Mm-hmm. And they're that wearing matching sweaters. <laughs> they're matching sweaters. The same like brooch. (laughs) (laughs) And this is one of my favorite parts too. In the middle of the song, the power goes out and goes pitch black, and you just hear hurried footsteps and a door slamming. (laughs) (laughs) He's taken off. Where's Chris? He left. (laughs) Um, And I like Chris Rock's response. I do like his response here. He's like, I've never met you. We don't even know each other. One of the things that I loved before that whole scene and when they're talking about, you know, they're going to splice in footage from the Golden Globes, you could see the seats and they had the pictures of who was going to sit in those seats. And my favorite was they had a picture of Pope Francis next to Iggy Azalea. And oh my God. <laughs> it just, the juxtaposition of those two sitting next to each other just made me laugh <laughs> that was one of the first parts of the movie or special that made me actually laugh out loud because it was just so subtle but so silly it was just it was perfect <laughs> so so the power outage actually does bill murray a favor because his producers inform him it's an act of god which gets him mm-hmm. out of his contract he's no longer obliged to perform so they basically say see you later hope to never work with you again and bill murray yeah, where are they going to they can't get out if everybody's snowed in that's what I was wondering too. Like I was surprised they didn't show up at the bar or any, they weren't at the bar when we moved to the bar right. or anything. They just left. They, they, you know, and nobody can get there of course, but they can leave. There are no, you know. Yeah. They have snowmobiles or something. In fairness, you, you, can probably, you could still walk during massive snowstorms in New York city. If they were only like a hotel over or something, who knows? So Bill Murray's free powers out, even though the bar looks very lit up for a power outage. I'll say that. <laughs> that was clearly not just candlelight. Um, he sings a song uh, Bill Murray sings a song with Jenny Lewis Baby It's Cold Outside which we know Tom's feelings on that song Matt what are your feelings on that song I like the song I'm okay with it to a certain extent I guess it's still creepy but there there was an awesome cover a couple years ago by Nathaniel Rateliff I don't know if you've heard of him but he sings the female part of the song it's pretty good and, and it's, good, it's yeah. so it's good. good it's so good but i i'm kind of neutral on the song like the the whole undertone of it kind of is still a little weird to me but it I, it I is like, what it is you know bill murray and jenny lewis singing how bill murray was kind of just like kind of improvising things no really really lady it's cold out here yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i um i hate john legend and kelly clarkson's version they sung last year the more where they changed the lyrics and made it uber pc like oh right i remember them doing that this version was done really well i will say that uh, bill murray's take on it was pretty funny 
Um, but I'm not much of a fan of Bill Murray singing. I, I like him singing. I, I do too. And I feel like a lot of the actors singing in the special, I've heard singing other stuff and can sing, which is why I also mm-hmm. think they were not fully here for the special or they were purposefully trying to make themselves not sound the greatest. Because mm-hmm. when I was watching this today, I was like, I know so-and-so can sing. I know so-and-so can sing. I would love this Christmas album because they picked good songs of the special with these actors singing. Mm-hmm. They, I'm surprised Netflix never released an album for it. Yeah, no kidding. So the food's going bad because of the power outage. So Bill Murray has the chefs and all the residents bring the food up to the bar, including a wedding cake. A wedding cake would not have melted that fast, by the way. No, it wouldn't have. Not at all. So it wasn't the prettiest looking wedding cake either, but it was very plain looking. So he passes, well, as the wedding cake is brought up, he passes Rashida Jones, only known as the bride in this, who's Mm -hmm. crying. And she tells him that her wedding was called off due to the cold. And because she just had this big fight with her fiance, Elliot, played by Jason Schwartzman. Bill Murray tries to give her romantic advice at this moment, but she doesn't want to hear it. So he goes off. He was nice enough to say, can I give you some advice? I'm pretty good at it. And she's just like, no, I'm good. He's like, (laughs) peace out. (laughs) And he leaves. And I'm like, that was non-confrontational. So we go back to the lounge. Bill Murray leaves her alone. We get the chefs to sing alone on Christmas Day. But then one of my favorite songs, Maya Rudolph sings Christmas Baby Please Come Home. When I say one of my favorite songs in this special, because Maya Rudolph actually killed it. She was really good. With some pipes. Work. Yeah, she does. Yeah. I enjoyed that I mean, too. We mentioned in the Christmas Story Live, she was one of the best in that too. Like she, this yeah. girl can sing. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought she was fantastic. If the whole mood of the song and the vibe there fit her like perfectly, like kind of that lounge singer kind of feel mm-hmm. like it fit her to a T. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her, her her singing is really un, is really underappreciated in a lot of what she does. I was impressed. Mm-hmm. So after this performance, the bride comes to Murray and says, "You know what? Tell me your theory about love." And he has her and Elliot look into each other's eyes and think of the moment they fell in love with each other. And the couple ends up singing, "I saw the light," and they become reengaged by Bill Murray, who, by the power of the Writers Guild Association of America and all these other Hollywood organizations, <laughs> <laughs> deems them engaged. Which that was funny. That made me laugh. Midnight hits. It's officially Christmas, and I love this moment. Bill Murray's pouring shots for the whole bar. He's like, gather around, you know, he's handing out shots to everyone. They're celebrating. And I thought that was a, it was a really cute moment. Like, this, all these people stuck there together. Midnight, you know, alone at Christmas, he gives everyone shots. They're just making the best of it. And then they sing the fairy tale of New York, all of them. Mm-hmm. The clean version with the edited lyrics, which yep. I appreciated because I love that song. And I loved this version of the song. I loved this version. It sounded good with everybody singing. Yeah. And again, they can all sing. So I don't know. Yeah. Yep. It was fun. There were a lot of good voices here. My problem with the show was in no way the singing. It was the weak storyline, the horrible writing, and the phoned-in acting. Yeah. I liked it. It it had that like joyful, almost you know, more like a New Year's Eve kind of feel to it. I thought more than like Christmas, but the way, you know, like how you said how Bill set it up with the shots and everybody, you know, having a good time. So like it it didn't necessarily 
fit per se, but it did fit. I don't know. It's kind of, that's a poor, a poor explanation on my part, but I, 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 mean, I to, to your point with the shots and everything, it sounds like an Irish drinking song, right? I mean, the yes. singing, it sounds like an Irish drinking song. It does. It does. You know that song never felt Christmassy until Gavin and Stacy. And like now I'm it's going back to it. That song has always been Christmassy to me. And then I hear how awful the lyrics are and it's still Christmassy. The so- I love the song. We discussed this last night, Julia. We did. Me, Tom, and Jerry briefly. Um, me, Tom, and Jerry. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. On uh, the Batman Patreon episode. I forget how it came up, but and I don't agree with this, but the UK recently, last year, ranked it, Citizens of the UK ranked it the best Christmas song of all time. It's a huge song. Really? You know, you have the great songs that sing to the true meaning of Christmas, what it's all about, why it started, but no, no. Uh, This song is great. I'm not not saying it's anywhere near the best, but I love this song. You're going to tell me that this song compares to, you know, Handel's Messiah in any way, shape, or form? No, he just said he's not, he didn't say it was anywhere near the best. He was defending it as, as being a great Christmas thing, but, but I, I'm talking specifically song. about the, the misapplication of the term greatest Christmas song <laughs> of all time. That entire island of people just got wrong. This is the definitive statement I'm making. The entire country of Britain is wrong. No, but in all seriousness, I don't know how that comes. I mean, it, it is a fun Christmas song. Like I said, I always giggle now whenever I hear it play in public because I don't think the people playing it know what they're playing. <laughs> All I know because is again, time- it, I had listened to this song for years and years and years, and then one day I just hear the line about maggot and the one that follows it, and I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> this is probably just a year or two ago. They have this was a clean version, and some radios and stories they did do a clean version. version. Like with this world, like Gavin Stacey, it would definitely not be <laughs> the clean right. version. At well, least I mean, the Brits yeah. have the goal to do it right. Yep, that's also true. All I'm saying now is when we do, now that's why I call it this podcast Christmas Volume 2. This is going to be my new song. <laughs> at the end of the song, so at the end of the song, Murray has been downing these shots and he passes out cold. And while passed out, he dreams of what the perfect Christmas Eve live show would have been. It's this beautiful Christmas Eve set in which George Clooney <laughs> and Miley Cyrus are there. <laughs> And as George Clooney's prepare martinis, Miley Cyrus and Murray sing Sleigh Ride together. And there are a few different musical numbers here, including uh, Silent Night, sung by Miley Cyrus, which is a last minute addition to the show. Murray and George Clooney sing Santa Claus Wants Some Loving. And then the three of them sing Like Snow. And have you ever heard Santa Claus Wants Some Loving? I no. have. Not only haven't I, I hope I never do again. It's yeah, a Leonard not- Skinner song. How did I miss <laughs> that? Yes. Disgusting. I had no idea. Yeah. That was that song was a total earworm. I walked around, so I watched this yeah. on Sunday, and in my head I could just hear George Clooney yeah. all day. <laughs> it, I woke up I woke up Monday morning and it's stuck in my head. I had to just listen to music over and over to get it out of my head because it got stuck. I, I found it funny, like George Clooney popping out from the tree. And yeah. with his microphone and singing it, but uh, it was, I just, I, I learned to hate it because it got stuck in my head. <laughs> I learned to hate it because the idea of Santa Claus trolling for booty was just really <laughs> uh, let, me, let me just say something. One of the most popular Christmas songs, whether or not you like it, 
is I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. It's one of the more popular long songs. That's obviously about a kid seeing his dad kissing his mom. To adults. Kids who love it, though, think Santa is... Oh, thinks mom is macking with Santa. That's true. Hey, you got to get the good presents. (laughs) 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 Uh... Also, I, I like that song, but there is a very, very un-PC version called I Saw Mommy Santa Claus. Oh, that. Lord. Oh, that's just not a thought I need to think of. We're talking about a man who, who was... It's, uh, a, it's a hilarious... Who was a... Who was a, a the, the memory of a man who was celibate and spent time and endured torture for his faith prior to the legalization of Christianity, who then stood bravely amidst opposition to defend the divinity of Christ. And now we're gonna put him in a porn scenario. I could tell you he was not celibate in that song. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Anyway, Bill Murray- To say I am disappointed in Anthony at this moment would be a dramatic understatement. I am not sure I have the words to verbalize. I do, actually. I'm going to quote The Office. I hate so much the person you choose to be. I butchered the quote, I know. Tom? What? Santa did her. (laughs) You can't say things like that when I take a sip of water. It almost almost came straight out onto the screen. You don't even have to say when I take a sip of water. You could have just left it at the first half of the thing. You're completely right as well. I just like the subtleness in which Anthony delivered that line. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tom, I love trolling you. (laughs) No, 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 no. As a good Catholic boy, you go ahead and desecrate the memory of one of the most revered of both of our traditions. I'm fine. I'll just sit here and wait until you're done. Are are you done? He doesn't look done. Murray wakes up eventually in his sweet... <laughs> I can't hold it anymore. Just for the next thing. I'm sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> if, I were, if I were in show business, I would, I would eventually turn into Jimmy Fallon in everything I do. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. you totally would. Yeah, you would. Uh, so after this elaborate dream sequence, Murray wakes up in his suite at the Carlisle, realizes it's still Christmas, sings a little bit of We Wish You a Merry Christmas, the special ends. Yep. Uh, so, first of all, I think the music in the special is great. Yeah. Sands all the time they wasted on Bill Murray singing when they had other better talent available. Oh, Murray had that old I like him voice. singing. Yep. It's just yes. it lacked. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It's just he lacked energy in it. I wasn't I mean, you excited. Could argue, but you could argue that's, that's just Bill Murray. Like, yes. that's Bill Murray. That's not... Bill Murray acting. That's just right. how I assume Bill Murray is, which maybe that's all a facade too. You know, honestly, maybe he's a super warm person. I kind of doubt it, but I, I think that's what I liked about his singing the most was that it did feel super authentic, that he wasn't try- overly trying. He wasn't trying to be a crooner. He wasn't trying to have all this warmth in his voice. I thought he sounded like how I would assume he'd he'd sound like if you came up to him and he was sitting at a piano singing a song. Yep. And to me, say, it fit the persona know. of that old special. I mean, like, I've never thought a lot of those old singers had a lot of Did you see the Ben Crosby ones? Singing. 
Not Bing Crosby. He's out. I'm talking about like his old like what's blue special, eyes. What's his name? Frank Sinatra never seemed like he had oodles of energy to me. But his voice um, still carried so much gravitas behind it. I'm not a Sinatra fan. Um, <gasps> I'm also not. I'm <gasps> also. Whoa. I wish not a face that this, Julia just gave me with that. With the I'm not like. <laughs> who's the <laughs> other? Shot this conversation down. I'm sorry. Who's I the just, other Anthony's lounge singer? Right Who's the other New York lounge singer one with the darker hair? It's Carly. Dean Tony, Bennett. Dean Tony Bennett. Bennett. I also don't like Tony Bennett. Julia. I know. I don't. I can't. I can't do it. But they never seemed like they had tons of energy. They'd stand there and they'd do their croon thing. And that's what I, that was a feeling I got with Bill Murray too. I figured that was what he was trying to do. So while we're talking about Bill Murray, I want to make sure we hit on the we may have talked about it before on Screw, but my favorite Bill Murray story, and we're talking about what Bill Murray's like in real life, is when he got invited to some random uh, party at St. Andrews in Scotland, uh, and he showed up at this late night party. He hung out, had a few drinks, washed all the dishes, and then left without telling anybody goodbye. And uh, the idea that Bill Murray would show up to your party and wash your dishes and then leave Pretty just cracks awesome. me up. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> love that. So, so Bill Murray. Yeah. But I'm also really so Bill Murray. So you know what cracked me up in this special with Bill Murray? And it was when it was when Jenny Lewis was starting to sing Good King Winchless. Winchless. <laughs> yeah. And Bill Murray was like, I'm gonna stop you right there. Nobody knows no. the second verse of that song. <laughs> Does anyone here know the second verse of that song? Nobody knows the second verse of that song. And that just made me laugh so hard. That was very funny. I mean, there are people out there who do. Anyone besides Tom? Tom does, I bet. Did you, I felt, so I've been to the Carlisle around Christmas time. Yeah. It usually is done up a lot more. I felt the Christmas decorations were very subtle in this. It looks a lot more Christmassy around Christmas time with lights and trees and stuff. I'm glad you said that because I was underwhelmed with the decorations and I'm glad to know that you know, they do actually do it upright. So when did they film this? Summertime or something like that? That was my question. Summertime. I assume yeah. because when you see a glimpse of outside, there's literally no snow on the ground or in the right. air, despite the fact it's a blizzard that shut down New York City. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but I forgot we forgot to mention at the beginning, this special was directed by Sofia Coppola. Frank Port Coppola's daughter, who has directed Bill Murray a few times. And it was written by Bill Murray and Coppola, along with Mitch Glazer. And uh, initially, rapper Rick Ross was scheduled to sing Santa Claus wants some loving. According to <laughs> Sophia Coppola's cousin, it's pronounced Coppola. She a friend of yours? Yeah. I gotta say, I love the trolling in person is that an even better level. We have more, to cut a lot of it out. We do. More, <laughs> more, than, more than I imagined. I love it. <laughs> what superhero named actor is her is also related to Sofia Coppola? Superhero. Nick Cage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not a superhero. Who was superheroes? Oh, he was the skull He's, guy. He named himself after Nick Cage, yeah. No, he, that's his, he <laughs> named himself after a comic isn't, book hero. Isn't Jason Schwartzman related to? Correct. I think they're all, yeah, they're all part of that family. Big happy family. So yep. what about you, Matt and Tom? Did you find it 
underwhelming absolutely like, Christmas decoration wise like Julia yep. and I did I did yeah I'm I'm the same it the the true Christmas feels came when he had like the dream sequence yep the big white stage the big trees yeah. all that that was beautiful that was like old style old school crooners Christmas special like mm-hmm. the 15 minutes 10 minutes whenever we got there I thought that looked beautiful that just felt very underwhelming in terms of like the Christmas feels from the visuals of everything. One thing I liked a lot was the end scene where it looks like you're seeing Bill Murray waking up to snow and you see it's the, uh, I'm assuming Paul Schaefer pouring powdered sugar on his pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Which is no, just, it's his, it's it was his, his assistant. Yeah, okay. it was his but, assistant. Okay. Was Paul still there or did I just imagine... I, no, think I, th- th- I think he was. Okay. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, because he plays the piano when he sings that yeah, last song. Yeah. I just like the idea of thinking of waking up in the morning to um, Paul Schaefer sprinkling powdered sugar on my pancakes. <laughs> Can I think we missed an opportunity? We probably should have talked about it, and that's our favorite Sofia Coppola movies. Are we too late to talk about Sofia Coppola? We can talk about Sofia Coppola. Hey, Coppola. Uh, I'm sorry. What? Who? My favorite what? Uh, uh, film of hers. Of whose film? Of whose? <laughs> whose films are we talking about? I already said it. I'm not saying it again. I'm sorry. I'm just confused right now. <laughs> I really liked Lost in Translation. Uh, oh, so we're talking about Bill Murray movies now? You could say that because he's done a lot of her movies. A lot of whose movies? Oh, <laughs> 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 probably the Virgin Suicides. That's what I was gonna say. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it being a very, very good movie. It was really good. She did Marie Antoinette, which also had Jason Schwartzman in it, which was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also did some video shorts for the Phoenix. Just throwing that out there as well. And the white stripes. Cool. And the flaming lips. Did y'all know? So I realize I've only seen three of her movies. Which ones? Marie Antoinette, The Bling Ring, and then now this one, A Very Merry Christmas. So you haven't seen The Virgin Suicides or Lost in Translation? I've never seen Lost in Translation or The Virgin Suicides. Hmm. So what was your favorite song in the special? Because the special, like those old variety school specials, were just an excuse for all these celebrities to get together and sing so round table guys what was your favorite song of the special mine's a tie i thought miley cyrus's silent night was just a beautiful rendition very simple very good i'm gonna tie that with maybe it's cold outside because i loved i love bill murray's like improv in that like it's just kind of little one-liners in there and jenny lewis is just fantastic so I got a tie between those two. So my favorite was Maya Rudolph's. Christmas favorite, please come home. Yes. That was my second favorite. My favorite was Fairy Tale of New York. I think I'm going to have to go with, as much as I want it to be something else. I like when Jenny Lewis started Good King Wenceslas. That sounded cool. I wish she would have finished mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I did, like I said earlier, I did like this take on Baby It's Cold Outside. Bill Murray made it way less creepy even though he was 
singing it to his significant other who is probably half his age. Uh, but it's probably going to have to go with the, um, the Silent Night by Miley Cyrus. She's a woman who knows her vocal range, and she killed it. Silent Night, so many times people try to go, you know, hit some high notes. And she mm-hmm. kept it within her range and kept her voice really strong. It was, it was well done. It was beautiful. So did this film have a Linus moment at all? No. Uh, it, didn't have any, it didn't have a storyline that would, that would lead us to having a Linus moment. None of the old school variety specials did. And in that aspect, they succeeded. But where it failed for me, the Christmas look, besides the dream, and the actors, none of them looked like they wanted to be there, which worked for Murray and Chris Rock, since Chris Rock was kidnapped in the special. But it didn't work for any of the rest of them. <laughs> so Amy Poehler brought her A game, though. Didn't even think she did. As a as a producer, well, she didn't really she didn't actually want to be there. But like when she came in and she's trying to you know keep him excited and happy at the beginning, she she, she did have like my favorite line from this. And Bill Murray's standing there. He's like, "Is there a microphone, or do we just imagine this?" She's like, "Use your stage voice. Yeah. You're on stage." <laughs> that, that was very joy. I liked that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I loved her when she when. Uh, Bill Murray's on the phone. She was like, "Is that Clooney? Is that Clooney? Tell Clooney we're not." <laughs> I wish they would have let her be Amy Poehler, though. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish they would have let all these people be themselves. Yeah. So, my question before we get into ranking: Where are we putting this? This is a movie. This is on our main list. It's a movie? Really? I don't feel like it belongs there, y'all. I want thoughts. It's- it's it's like 58 minutes. That seems so like a TV special to me. And these variety shows were never movies. You would never no. go to the movie theaters be a variety show. Yeah, You'd see it on TV. True. So it should be on the TV. That's true. You know what? And Netflix calls it a TV special. You're right. So I, I usually am. Home. I was talking to Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a quick, quick clarification there. Oh. <laughs> wow. So yes, I want to talk through this a bit, y'all. Okay. The problem with my ranking is if I rank, is I know we're ranking this as a special, right? But I can't remove the musical, the music alone element from it, right? Is there stuff here that, that's going to make my Christmas playlist? Absolutely. Just trying to think through, does that necessitate me giving it a higher score? Or should I ignore that and just look at it as a special? How are you all approaching this? I'm taking the overall package. Yeah, same here. <clears throat> and I am going to give What kind of seven. feels does it give me? Is it rewatchable? I know that's a big deal for Anthony. Crappy feels, no. Okay. I'm going to give it a seven based on where I ranked other things on my list. There's a one below this was Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July in my ranking, and I'd rather watch this than Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July around Christmas. It's one of these moments. I'm gonna go for a three. It's one of these moments for me where it's kind of like you look at what you ranked other stuff in your wish, man. I wish I had gone lower or higher. And I, know- I, I wish I'd gone lower on the other ones, but I'm gonna give this one a three point seven five. What about you, Matt? I would give it a four point five. And then now I'm going to argue with you, Anthony, and make you change your score 
and drop Whoa. it all the way down. No. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it shouldn't be hard to do. Whoa. If we learn anything from last week, it's a pretty good question for, for a New Yorker. I was going to say, April gave to, the playbook, so. We will get to that in a second. So that gives us an average of 4.583, which puts it at number 18 on our list between Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July and Robbie the Reindeer Hooves of Fire. But I want to hear what other listeners thought of this special. We did get some feedback on it. Uh, did we not to not I'm, I'm curious before we get the feedback did we look at rotten tomatoes or imdb as 75 percent of rotten tomatoes what nominated for golden globes and emmys so a thin white duke wrote on reddit whilst i watch this each year and really enjoy it a lot i still feel it could have been so much better than it was i really like parts of it like the singing with the band in the bar during the blackout the rendition of i saw the light and chris rock looking super uncomfortable singing However, some parts drag a little, and it almost seems like improv bits got away from the director. Still, anything with Bill Murray and Christmas gets me coming back each year. Well, Watch a Buddy wrote, decent. Disco 54 <laughs> wrote, I watched this, and it's just odd. It's like Netflix gave Bill some cash and said, you have 75 minutes to fill. Go. <laughs> you, can excuse, you can excuse it by saying, well, that's Bill Murray, but is it, though? I appreciate Groundhog Day and Stripes and Caddyshack as much as anyone, but this is just spiraling towards nothing. And then uh, Johnny CID wrote, this is mostly endearing with the feel of the classic TV holiday specials, with the exception of some awkward moments with Jenny Lewis. Pretty fun and heartfelt. Enjoyed their version of Fairy Tale in New York without the cringy verses. Miley pulled out her real voice and sounded beautiful. A fun background show or one to fall asleep to. I would agree it's one to fall asleep to. <laughs> I like it as a background show. You can just pick the songs up as they roll. It's like you're, yeah. you've got Spotify on, but there's pictures moving also. I mean, it's, a good, it's a good, like, you're doing dishes. Yeah. And it's on in the background. Perfect for that. I don't think any... <laughs> I don't think anybody who makes a movie wants to hear. <laughs> no. It's a good doing your dishes. <laughs> but because you've described it like that, I think you should start becoming a reviewer of movies. <laughs> this is a perfect grass mowings show. <laughs> we did get some other feedback on social media, mainly about last week's episode. So a lot of this is pretty funny feedback. So and short comments so i'm gonna read it because i'm not afraid to make fun of myself plus i disagree with it so anyway brian and saru on facebook i think you may have failed to jingle censor an f-bomb out of your latest episode lol hashtag anthony f-bomb alicia moore wrote i also noticed that lol april wrote or two we also forgot linus moments what can i say i threw the elves off big time to which julia replied for what it's worth, I mentioned a line this moment a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. To which April wrote, I remember that. It'll have to do. I'll take the end blame for the collapse of the episode. I'll take the blame for the collapse of this episode towards the end. Then Brian wrote, April stir the pot big time. To which April wrote, I guess you could call me impish instead of admirable. And then she got to... A whole thing about how she hates The Office again. She can't hate that. You cannot hate Bell Schnickel. Then Brian wrote... Anthony doesn't like that episode. I mean a normal sane human being. (laughs) Then Brian wrote, great debate, to which Tom had to troll me. And he wrote, 
I think debate is a pretty liberal use of the term. I think he meant April. Great job owning Anthony. To which I defend myself and I stick by this when I say, you're all missing how I use this situation to my own advantage. She didn't own me. I used her aggression as cover to get what I wanted. That we was were all there. That may work. Move. That may work for some. Julie and I watched this, this, this car wreck firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> which April wrote, exactly. If we don't stop with all this own talk, I'm never going to be able to manipulate Anthony in the future. And we've got a few more Dolly Parker <laughs> in Christmas movies. Oh, that was good. That was <laughs> a good threat. Steven Beecher, let's be honest, which of us hasn't dropped in a few swears at that point? I know I had, and I was only listening. <laughs> uh, but then there was this go, Stephen Beach had my favorite comment about this whole, this whole thing on a different thread. And it was when I was reminding people to get their Christmas in July submissions to us by July 1st. And I tagged people who haven't done it yet. And Stephen Beach wrote, April was going to do it. But she bullied Anthony, and he caved like a fat kid who saw cake. And now he's going to do everything she says. (laughs) (laughs) I do love cake. And then uh, there's a whole back and forth between her and Stephen Beach. She said, I just led the horse to water. He made the correct decision to drink. I feel like this is an unfair assessment. Anthony and I compromised after valid arguments were made. I can't help. I'm the first groundbreaker to use the system to my advantage. And then Stephen Beach came back with a comment I loved, and he said, <laughs> dot, 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 still searching for where April compromised. I'll get back to you when I <laughs> To which April called him her husband. She said he sounds like her husband. And Jerry wrote, this was brutal. <laughs> and Tom had to jump in this thread, too. And he said, let's just all admit. And then he got owned. To which April said, I wouldn't say owned, more like borrowed. And Tom said, I listened again. It was owned. <laughs> so laugh it up, chuckleheads. I'm okay with it. You know what? I stand by my decision. It seems to be a thing for people I know from New York that don't seem to back down in light of overwhelming evidence that they're wrong. Moving, not touching that one with a 39 and a half of pole. Well played. I've got, a, I've got something to read. Uh, going on two months old from one of our listeners that we keep forgetting. So we got an email from John. John, I'm sorry, I don't know your last name to give you credit. But uh, John wanted to make a, a, a counterpoint to us talking about Bing Crosby's tarnished reputation. And he said, I was just listening to your December 23rd podcast from last year and about Bing's problematic past. He wasn't the best to his first family, but a lot of stuff about him and his family is either over-exaggerated or false. As the son who wrote the book that said the stuff about the abuse to slander his father since it would, quote, sell more. Bing was like a lot of fathers at the time and didn't know how to show his emotions well. It didn't help Dixie, Bing's wife, had a serious drinking problem and wanted him to be harder on the kids. He was barely around during their growing up as he was at the peak of his popularity in his career, being one of, if not the biggest stars at the time. Philip, one of Bing's sons from a first marriage, defended Bing as a father, saying, quote, my dad was not the monster my lying brother said he was. He was strict, but my father never beat us black and blue. And my brother Gary was a vicious, no good liar for saying so. I have nothing but fond memories of dad, going to studios with him, family vacations at her cabin in Idaho, boating and fishing with him. To my dying day, I'll hate Gary for dragging dad's name to the mud. He wrote, going my own way out of greed. He wanted to make money and knew that humiliating our father and blackening his name was the only way he could do it. 
He knew it would generate a lot of money. He knew it would generate a lot of publicity. That was the only way he could get his ugly, no talent face on television and in the newspaper. My dad was a hero. I loved him very much. He loved all of us, including Gary. He was a great father, end quote. After Dixie died of cancer in 1952, being remarried five years later to Catherine Grant, and they had three children that had a better life with Bing as he was around more and learned from his mistakes he made prior. So that's really interesting. Hmm. It yeah. is. It is because the that side of things has never made it into pop culture. Right. And like so many things, I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in between. But I don't I know. Feel, so I don't want to pass judgment. And, and I, I apologize for spreading one side of, uh, of the story about a man who's not here to defend himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, who contributed a, a lot to Christmas. And mm-hmm. thank you so much, John, for giving us an alternate view from one of his other children. Yeah, thank you so much. So, Matt, one of the things I was really looking forward to you about coming on to host this episode with us was I'm sure you had a question of the week to give us. So do you have a question of the week for us this week? Now I feel like I got put on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I, now, I will say there was the one I, I offered up on Reddit, and it was about your favorite guilty pleasure Christmas movie. So I, I pulled up the, the uh, post that I had. I'll just read it real quick. It said, favorite Christmas movie or TV special, uh, guilty pleasure. This question is pretty straightforward, but I'm curious where some of you sit on this. This has more to do with those movie specials that that uh, many do not think are good, but they hit in a way that give you the Christmas feels. For me, it's a Christmas story too. Yes, the sequel. I'm embarrassed to admit that I like this movie. Daniel Stern plays the old man. It's nowhere good, nowhere near as good as the original. Even though I know many of the elves do not agree with my stance on a Christmas story. Uh, I do, but- Matt. I do. Well, good. I, I've got my I got my leg lamp above me on my desk. I got other little uh, <laughs> leg lamp things around me here. But so, do you guys have that movie that almost it's almost as if you're embarrassed to tell people you like it? Because I tried showing my girlfriend a Christmas story too, and about halfway, not even halfway through, she's like, "Can we just turn this off? This is terrible." <laughs> and I was so heartbroken. I was like, "Yeah, it's bad. It's bad." It's bad. I mean, it is bad, but it, it hits me in a way that it probably shouldn't. But I'm curious if you guys have anything like that. There, so I actually have a few. A Dennis and Menace Christmas. Freeform plays that once or twice a year. And every time I catch it, it makes me smile. It is an awful movie. Like, objectively awful movie. But there is just something about the arc of Mr. Wilson realizing how much Dennis actually means to him. Like, he gets that glimpse of the you know, the ghost, the ghost of Christmas past, present, future type thing, and I love that one. Another awful one that admittedly I haven't seen in years, but I enjoyed watching it younger. I don't know if I'd be able to pop with it now. Eventually I'll make her list. Richie Riches and Christmas Wish. Even though the plot of that one is absurd, <laughs> you know, that machine that doesn't make him rich anymore. <laughs> and anyway, and then there's that. I mentioned this one on the podcast before, the first Home Alone movie I ever saw, Home Alone 3, which is more of a winter movie than a Christmas movie. Hmm. But that one is actually, I know a lot of people don't like it. It doesn't even compare to the first two Home Alones. I'm not saying it does, but that one is enjoyable. I stand by that one. That's a guilty pleasure for me. 
So I'm going to interject real quick, just because, so Disco54 responded to my question on Reddit, and his response made me audibly laugh out loud. And he says, Disco says, you know what's a truly terrible film that I absolutely adore? A Christmas Kiss. If you've never seen it, I urge you not to watch it, because if you do, you'll surely say awful things about it, and then I'll cry, and while I weep, while I weep I'll make threats of terrible revenge against you, and I'm sure you're actually good people, and you don't want the wrath of Disco to be brought down on your sorry ass. Just leave me to enjoy a Christmas kiss. <laughs> I think we know what movie we need to bring Disco on for. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I have no shame in life and don't feel feelings of embarrassment when I probably should. Uh, so I have bragged about what would probably be my guilty pleasures multiple times. I really like the movie North Pole. I really like the movie Pete's Christmas. I really like the movie Krampus. Well, Krampus is a guilty pleasure. It is. It's really a dark thing that's not typically associated with Christmas. But I, uh, and I really like Nicolas Cage as the family man. See, I wouldn't view Family Man or Krampus as guilty pleasures because, I mean, I guess... Nobody likes that. Family Man. I guess it depends how you view the definition of guilty pleasure, right? Like yeah. Krampus, for example, got good audience scores and critic scores, so I don't know how that would rate as a but is it, pleasure. But I don't think a lot of people watch that necessarily every year at Christmas like I do. No, that's, that, that is true. So most Hallmark movies feel like a guilty pleasure anyway. And Fair. I do enjoy most of those. Like, even the bad ones I can sit down and enjoy if it's the right season. But the only other one that feels like a guilty pleasure, and it probably really isn't, is Ernest Saves Christmas. <gasps> Why have you covered that yet? I really oh, love... It's on our schedule for Christmas this year. Yeah. Okay, I'm not looking at our schedule. I don't know. <laughs> I love Ernest. I know that it's not for everybody, but that's probably what makes it feel like a guilty pleasure. Julia, I'd have to agree with that. I haven't seen that one in years. I remember even when I was younger watching it, it felt like a guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I love the Ernest movies in general. That Me too. Ernest scared straight. Ernest Goes, Ernest to, goes camp to Camp was one of my favorites. And I, I will 100% agree with you about Hallmark as well. Like, I know I have tough words for Hallmark. I stand by my tough words for Hallmark. But in the, in the Christmas season, it's just easy watching to have in the background. You know, I'm not looking at it with a critical eye when I just have it in the background. I have to add one more to my guilty pleasure. It's that one that's on Hallmark where either the man or woman moves from either the city or the country <laughs> to the city or the country because of his or her job or parent dying. Um, and he or she finds love in an unexpected place. Such a good one. Ugh. One coming up soon that I that we recently covered that was new to me that I think is going to be a really guilty mm -hmm. pleasure. Oh, yep. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, it. I freaking love that movie. <laughs> I watched it again. <laughs> it was. It was. It's so good. I, I agree um, with Julia, though. I think. I think we can probably round out a lot of Christmas or Lifetime or Netflix Christmas movies as guilty pleasures. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, exa example. We covered one that has turned into a guilty pleasure for me earlier this year. What I still stand by is the best Christmas Prince movie on Netflix, which is the third one, which you two really hated on. But that one is a guilty pleasure for me because it's just so absurd and out there, and they owned that fact. And I was like, they're not even trying to play it straight anymore. And I give it all 
kudos for that. There's another royal Christmas movie that's very comical that I wish would have the sequels that that one did. Yes. I wonder we when get, we'll get back to Aldovia, y'all. Uh, or sooner than we want to. Whenever they cross over with the, the night before Christmas, since they mentioned Aldovia in that one. Uh, <laughs> so we did get more feedback on this question on Reddit that I want to read too. Uh, then White Duke wrote, there's quite a few bad Christmas movies I enjoy in some way because of the ritual and festive atmosphere. These include Deck the Halls, Christmas at the Cranks, and Santa with Muscles. Usually Bedwards wrote, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure, but I was surprised at how much I enjoy The Family Man starring Nicolas Cage. Yes, it's Brett Ratner, but I swear it's solid. Nick610 wrote Surviving Christmas, which is coming up this year as well, and Christmas with the Cranks. Serial <laughs> Killer, the best Christmas pageant ever. Massey Glass wrote Stealing Christmas with Tony Danza, Leah Thompson, and Betty White. I watch it every single year. That sounds like a cast. We should get that on our list at some point. That sounds like a cast. And where to next April? April Riley wrote, conveniently enough, Christmas in Many Colors, Dolly Parton. The episode coming out this Monday covers it. It's not a cinematic masterpiece, and given that I'm Jewish, it's heavy Christian notes that aren't typically my thing, but I sure do love that movie. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't checked out that episode, you can skip it or check it out if you want. Anthony <laughs> wants you to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't skip it y'all it's not worth skipping <laughs> it was a fun episode i laughed and laughed listening to that episode i'll admit it we did too but for very different reasons <laughs> I, it's not my fault that i deserve an oscar for how i played you all that episode but regardless oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway we we will <laughs> We want to hear from all of y'all. What's your favorite Christmas guilty pleasure movie? What did you think of A Very Murray Christmas? Was Anthony acting in the last episode or did April own or borrow him? Let us all know. Where can they let us know all of this, Julia? Anywhere you like to consume your social medias because we're like everywhere. So if you if you use Twitter or Instagram or Reddit or if you like Facebook groups, that's your jam or if Facebook in general is your jam. We have presences in all of these places and we have a nice easy way for you to get to it. All you have to do is go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, insert your social media there and it'll take you right to it. I would say we're most active in our Facebook group and on our Reddit, on our subreddit. Um, so if you want to not just talk to us, but to talk to our awesome listeners like Matt, although you won't find him as Matt, then you can go to those places if you want just super amazing activity. And then we also have a place where you can get some bonus content. Right, Tom? We do at tisthepodcast.com slash Patreon. And on Patreon, we have these awesome fireside chats where we just get to know our listeners. Uh, you hear us talk about Disco 54 a lot. He's on the list to get on one of those fireside chats because he's been so helpful on Reddit as well. I think Matt will be getting an invite for one of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can hear some of our other listeners. Anthony and I just joined Jerry Davila from Totally Rad Christmas to discuss all things Batman for a bonus episode for all of you comic book slash superhero nerds. It was epic. We've discussed, I think, every aspect of all things Batman that you possibly can and realized we should start another podcast together if it was had time. Um, we, we talked favorite Batman, Bruce Wayne, Batmobile, costume, like 
in depth. Like we go seriously in depth and meta on Batman in general. Two hours, two glorious hours of us just being nerds. It's live now if you're listening. So check it out. It's worth it. And yeah, we have Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas stuff coming up. We have Christmas movie commentary. We did Elf and the Santa Claus. We want to do Christmas Vacation Home Alone this year as well. And we want to cover all the big ones eventually, whether this year, next year, the years to come. It's just another segment that is really fun that we're looking forward to continuing. Also, if you want to help the show in a free way, leave us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer. 365 or six days a year. There you go. Plus, we'll sell you a free sticker if you do Matt, do you have a sticker yet? No, and that brings up an interesting story. So I, I left a review sometime last year, I think, and I emailed you, and Tom, I gave you my address, and you said, yeah, I'll send it out, and I never got one. Oh, I definitely, I definitely sent it. I sent really? everyone. Yes. I can say with certainty that that was sent. You're going to have to send him a few, Tom. I can must have got lost. It's okay. Uh, now that we know each other and you've got my number, you can text me if it doesn't come through. I will not be going to the post office this week, but I will be going next week and it will be shipped. Actually, no, my wife is going to the post office this week, so it'll probably get shipped Thursday. Well, there we go. Making up for it. And I will throw in uh, as a... As, as, uh, as an offering for the failure of people like Todd Killian with the U S postal service, I will throw in an extra sticker. One of the new ones and the old ones. I just saw Anthony laugh and I couldn't hold it anymore. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Well, and you'll get a third sticker eventually because Tom's sort of designing one in the coming weeks. All right. Tom is hoping to have time to finish designing one, wrapping it up, but man, it has been a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah. So, you can get a sticker either by leaving us a review on iTunes or subscribing to Patreon. You'll get a sticker. And depending, <laughs> depending on your amount you want on Patreon, you could guest host too. Like Gary Blauman, like April Riley, like Todd Kelly, like Jerry Dagala, like all the awesome, like Mike Westfall, like all the awesome guest hosts that we have had. So yeah. So check us out on Patreon, on our social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can oh. see our defend and we don't push it as often, but you can see our total, um, our whole list ranking on tisthepodcast.com. Only one of the elves who also likes to drop F-bombs on episodes um, manages that. So if you check out our thing, be and sure to send Anthony a thank you. Good job of managing that too. <laughs> 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 so next week we are, well, Check your feeds again, July 1st, for a special bonus episode. We haven't announced we recorded it. We didn't announce what it was, but you'll want to listen because there's a special cameo that episode as well. You'll want to hear. So that's in a few days. But next week, we are not leaving the world of Christmas variety specials. We are covering a very modern one, a legendary Christmas, which was John Legend's Christmas special from last year, two years ago. And the week after that, we are journeying across the pond to cover a completely foreign French film, A Christmas Tale. Our first all-foreign film. And then the week after that, 
We are going to be joined by another guest host, David Magavero, who will be joining us to cover the Everybody Loves Raymond Christmas episodes, which are actually really good. I've been rewatching that show in general. That was my next binge because I did Friends, I did Seinfeld, I was hitting all my sitcoms, and that was the next one, and the Christmas ones are good. So I'm looking forward to David joining us. You know what else I am looking forward to, y'all? I'm looking forward to the fact that we only have 4,320 hours until Christmas. If my math is correct, that is only 180 days? That's only 25 weeks. And I know that's right because it's printed in front of my face on the spreadsheet. And that's under six months. That is great news. Less than halfway there. That's like the best news. The best news. It really is. In a non-deadly global pandemic world, we would start seeing stuff out at all the places. But since I know we're all being responsible and staying home, we probably won't be. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thank, you, Thank you for having me. We always love having guests. And we every time we get a new one, it's just really fun to meet y'all. You were awesome. We look forward to having you back. Yeah, I, yep, anytime. Absolutely. I look forward to it, too. So lots of exciting stuff coming out, y'all. Do your homework, and we shall speak to you in a few days. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. They got cars big as bars. They got rivers of gold. But the wind goes right through you. It's no place for the old. When you first took my hand on the cold Christmas Eve, you promised me Broadway was waiting for me. You were handsome. You were pretty queen of New York City. When, when the band finished playing, they held up for more. Sinatra was swinging. All the drums they were singing. We kissed on the